From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. When you find people who you connect with on a brain level, it leads to all sorts of really interesting things. And, that, and that's what's cool about being an entrepreneur is your brain evolves. Today on episode 53 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Justin Breen. Justin's compensation as a journalist was cut in half. He took what he saw as a journalist, how PR agents pitched thought-provoking stories, and combined that with his own knowledge of how journalists were receptive to certain kinds of stories, and launched his own business to create viral stories that the media craves. It's a great example of turning a deteriorating situation to your own advantage. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Justin Breen. Justin is the CEO of the PR firm Brepic Communications. Justin is hardwired to seek out and create viral, thought-provoking stories that the media craves. He finds the best stories when he networks with visionary entrepreneurs and executives who understand the value of investing in themselves and their businesses. Justin, welcome to the show. David, how are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you on. So you were employed as a journalist, a profession where the market has been completely upended over the last number of years. That's correct, yeah. And I based my entire business model based on how PR firms annoyed me for those 20 years when I was a journalist. Tell me about that. Yeah, so most PR firms send useless press releases, uh, usually via bulk email. As a journalist, you get hundreds of these a day from people you don't know, and basically it just annoys you. So my firm creates actual stories similar to what I did as a journalist. It becomes a link on the client's website under news or blog, and then I take that link and pitch it to media all over the world. If media is interested, I put them in touch with the client contact moving forward. That's literally my entire business. And how did you figure out that you needed to do this rather than be a journalist? Yeah, so long story short, you know, February 10th, 2017, I was working as a full-time journalist, had a five-minute meeting with the, the company's owner and the managing editor, and they had uh, cut my salary in half, not due to anything I had done wrong, but just due to staff cutbacks. The next couple of weeks, I looked for a full-time job, couldn't find one, decided to incorporate April 16th, 2017 while working full-time as a journalist. Over the next six weeks, I reached out to 5,000 people to get my first five clients, got my fifth client, resigned from my full-time job the next day. And then a couple of days later, the one of the top media columnists in the Midwest, Robert Feeder, did a story that uh, I had started my own business. So that's, uh, that's how I started it. Wow. You sent out 5,000 requests. Yeah, one out of 1,000. So, you know, <laughs> People always are so like, uh, they're like, oh, you're doing such a great job now. And, and my company's exploding and I only work with the best people on the planet and it's been exciting. Uh, but, you know, to be an entrepreneur, if you can't handle like overwhelming depression, anxiety, stress, failure, rejection, et cetera, this is not the career path for you. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's just like, like it is kind of funny, but, you know, I, I talk to a lot of folks and, you know, they want to start businesses and I help mentor them. And, and that's usually the first thing I say to them. Like, this is not a fairy tale. Like, I mean, now it is because I've been through the, the bottom and now I'm, I'm at the top and it keeps going up. But like, if you can't handle those kind of things, this is not, I would, you just can't, I would not do this. It's just, it's just not a good fit for your brain. 
Justin, how did the the overwhelm, the depression, the anxiety, you know, all those emotions that you just mentioned, how did what you experienced as an entrepreneur, especially in those early days, compare to anything you experienced as an employee? Oh, God, way worse. I mean, so I'd write that in. I just launched a book that's an international bestseller in six countries. It's called Epic Business. And um, I talk about that. I go, the worst day in corporate is nothing, not even close compared to the stress and anxiety and depression you can face. And it's an entrepreneur. Not even, it's not even the same ballpark. How did you deal with it? So I have a wonderful wife and two wonderful children, and I leaned on them heavily. I started seeing a therapist. I started talking to mentors who have built successful companies and talking to them. Every entrepreneur I know, especially the successful ones, have been through the same ups and downs that I have, uh, the same type of depression, anxiety. I mean, I don't know any successful entrepreneurs that haven't been in that type of bottom situation. But the really great ones, they get through it and then they succeed in spite of it. And then they lead by example and really can't find the great things unless you've kind of experienced the bottom. And I mean, that's why my business kind of exploded since COVID happened, because like, honestly, it's the stress of that is nothing compared to starting a business. It's just not even, it's just business as usual, really. And one of the things I'm hearing from you is how important getting the right kind of support is. Oh, of course. I mean, so like, you know, I don't have employees per se, and I think there's going to be more companies that wind up being like mine, where it's a high price point, low overhead, you're easily able to pivot, and then you essentially leverage your network to create endless abundance for your network and for yourself. Because I only hang out with people who look at things as investments, not costs, and have an abundance mindset, not scarcity, not cost mindset. But you lean on those people heavily. And I can tell you from experience, especially now, that a lot of my entrepreneurial friends who, in terms of revenue, they're, they were making seven, eight, nine, ten figures. And you know, 80, 90% of the revenue was wiped out in a couple of days. Those people are leaning on me heavily right now and I'm helping them. And those types of people in those networks are helping each other out on a massive scale. So without the right support system, I mean, again, it, this is not, this is not the life you want to do. It's just not, it's not healthy at first. It's usually not super successful at first. Not going to my company's always been successful, but like, it's just tough, man. It's just a constant grind. And how long did it take before you felt like you had reached some kind of stability or you were satisfied, at least satisfied in the, what you were seeing to emerge financially? So knock on wood, my company's always been financially successful pretty much right away. I mean, Allstate was my first major client and they signed with me uh, within the first couple of months. But one of the chapters in my book is um, when you start a business, it really takes two full years to figure it out. Um, so again, my company's always done well financially, but I didn't have the right process. I wasn't in the right networking groups. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And kind of at that two-year mark, everything started to flow together. The people I had reached out two years beforehand were starting to uh, intro me to really interesting people. The people in my networking groups at the two-year Point were really the right group of people that I enjoyed hanging out with and became either business referrals or just partners or you know just friends and all that kind of stuff. And so yeah, two years is really where it started to take off. And again, the company's a little bit over three years old. Mm. When you first started, did you know that it was going to take two years before you? No, sort of re- I didn't. I didn't <laughs> know what a W nine was when I started this business. I had no idea. So no, of course not. Yeah. No, I had no idea what I was doing. And let's talk a little bit about some of those pivots that you made. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the very first kind of business that you were trying to acquire was, uh, what were you trying to sell initially? That's a good question. Pretty much anything that could be, I guess, traditional PR type stuff. So uh, press releases, running social media, just pitching random stories, like anything, anything like that. So I was doing all of those. I remember the first check I ever got was for $500. That was $500 to Brepic. And it was for a, a restaurant and I was doing their social media. And I was so happy to get that check. But it's like looking back now, it's like there's and I'm very appreciative of that they were a client. But like now there's no way they would be a client. I wouldn't even be doing social media for clients. I wouldn't be working with a small restaurant. That restaurant's not even in business any longer. And it's like now it's like the clients I work with on a global level are all visionaries, all abundance mindset, all look at things as investment. And again, the only thing my firm does now at a very high level is creates these newsworthy stories and then pitches them to media locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Mm-hmm. And what kinds of pivots have you made since that first sale? Well, I dumped all my uh, cost-minded clients or just let those contracts run out. I focus solely on the writing newsworthy stories and pitching those stories as links to media, just kept raising rates and uh, kept weeding out people that uh, looked at things as uh, costs and not investments. So it's been doubling down, doubling down, raising rates, raising rates, weeding out all the nonsense and only focusing on the best folks and then joining networks that reflect those values and mindsets like uh, Entrepreneurs Organization, and uh, Strategic Coach, those are two global entrepreneurial organizations that I'm in that are really, it's the best of the best people on the planet in those. Yeah. To, looking back on what you've experienced, what would you advise somebody, like right now we're in the midst of a huge crisis, worldwide crisis, right? And besides a health crisis, there's an economic crisis. People are looking inward and, and wondering how to make sense out of everything and what they should be doing. What would you advise somebody who is in a profession where either they've already lost a job, they don't want another job, they would rather have more control over their life, or perhaps they're just, they're still in a job, but feeling very unsteady? Right. So there's a couple of ways to approach that. My brain has pivoted as well in terms of, um, I'm extremely positive and I preach abundance constantly. I've probably said it 20 times during this interview. I'll say it probably 20 more. When you have that mentality and mindset, it attracts visionary abundant mindset people no matter where they are. So the one of the most important things is changing your mindset to think positive, focus on great things, and just look for people that think the same way. I know that's easier said than done. It's something I've worked on every single day. But when you start to do that, it really does attract the right types of people and it weeds out all the other stuff. And the other thing is if you're, if you're starting a business, find mentors who have been there and can, and can help you. I have three or four mentors that have been with me since the start. I'm always looking to add more. Again, I like being the dumbest person in the room. That's why I like being an EO and strategic coach. I'm, I'm the dumbest person in the room, not only in terms of revenue, but just years of business experience and all that kind of stuff. And find mentors who can help you. I mean, they certainly saved me in my times when I was lowest because they had been through what I've been through. They prepared me for getting out of that and realizing that it was going to be great, you know, moving forward. And then preparing me for when business, I'm sure business will slow again. And now knowing it's just a cycle and 
and things will be fine. So mentors and then positive mindset are extremely important. Mm. And uh, and I apologize for a rambling answer, but it you know all this stuff's in my book. But like the number one reason my business has been successful is because I do what I like to do and what I'm good at. And I was able to, to your point earlier, pivot out of the other stuff I didn't like doing. I wasn't as good at it. And again, I really like writing the stories and I love pitching them. So this never feels like work to me. It's always fun. And I'm just able to connect with people on a global level constantly. I just enjoy doing it. And when you find what you like to do and what you're really good at, and you can make a lot of money doing it, it's, it's really just unbelievable. Let's go a little deeper into the mindset issue. What are some of the ways that you have created the, the positive mindset? What do you do for it? Yep. So I have a good friend. Um, his name's Joe Martin. Uh, he has been a client and he names his years. So um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll start doing that this year. So every day since January 1, probably once an hour, I just say global growth. So my year 2020 is global growth. So that's even before COVID started to you know, take effect here. So I just say global growth, global growth, global growth. So now I have clients uh, outside the U.S. Most of my conversations now are with folks outside the United States. I just started this thing with um, this amazing woman, entrepreneurial coach. She lives off the coast of Spain, and she and I are planning this thing where we're going to bring people from one one person from every continent into this thing just to talk about abundance and stuff. So like that's just for fun. So like when you start like saying that over and over, it really does... Um, it's kind of weird, but that's actually, I mean, it's really happened. I mean, and when I was thinking global growth, I initially thought, oh, I'll just have clients everywhere. That's not necessarily what's happened. It's more of the conversations I have and then just the cool things that I've, that have happened on a global level. And so the other thing too, for mindset, it's, and it relates to it is working out. I work out or run outside six days a week, no matter the weather conditions. So I live near Chicago, so it's very cold in the winter, but I actually run like running. Uh, during that time. And, and when you get outside or, you know, work out and get that your heart moving, your lungs breathing, it really does help with, helps you focus on things and, and get rid of all the, you know, negative thoughts that are in your head. And that's, that's critical for mindset as well. Okay. And let's talk a little bit more about the mentors. What techniques have you used to find the right kinds of mentors? Wow. That's a really good question that no one has asked me. So I have a very weird brain, but in this case, being a business leader, it's actually been hugely profitable, successful, helpful for tens of thousands of people on a global level. So when I find people that have somewhat similar brains as mine, and I can learn a lot from them, and I'll just sit with them, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's super valuable advice. I'll just ask them to be mentors. And I found a few people like that, again, usually when I started, and I just I just meet with them. Now it's on, you know, Zoom or Skype or whatever. But yeah, we just have stayed in touch that way. And when you find people who you connect with on a brain level, it leads to all sorts of really interesting things. And that and that's what's cool about being an entrepreneur is your brain evolves and you really you figure out what you like to do, what you don't like to do, what you're good at, what you're not good at, the people that you like to hang out with, the people that you really don't like to hang out with. And it just you're just constantly learning new and cool things from all these great people. When you look back over your career, is there something you wished you had done sooner? Excellent question. These are really good questions, and I hope they help people with my answers. So I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, both boys. They're awesome kids. My wife's a doctor. She's a pediatrician, so I hope she doesn't listen to this interview. But I think, you know, in 10 years or so, I don't really 
care if they go to college as, as long as if they do, they learn something business related or entrepreneurial related. And I've been teaching them about being entrepreneurs all three years now since I started the company. So looking back on what I went through, I literally didn't know what a W-9 was when I started this company. I had no business experience, nothing. I had no idea what even a, what an LLC was. And to not have that background, at least in college or just developing my career as a journalist, it's like, how could I not have done that? But there was no incentive placed on that either in college or as a journalist. So like that is what I regret is not doing something besides journalism or learning something besides that field. Yeah. Why do you think there's no incentive placed on learning anything about business in college or, or otherwise in school? Man, if just, I wish I could answer that question because it's just complete non like, so that's, that's my deal breaker with my kids. I'm like, if you go to college, that's fine. And I'm sure they, I'm sure they will. I mean, my wife's super intelligent and, you know, and I'm <laughs> relatively smart. I got a good ACT score, but like my, I have a, very wackadoo visionary brain. But like, if they don't take business classes or entrepreneurial classes, I'm going to lose it on them. And they know that. I don't understand why there isn't that incentive or like, that should be like a bare minimum in colleges to make sure that students learn about business because the people that you're talking about now who have been in corporate and they either hate their job or they're worried they're going to lose their job, most of them probably don't have any idea how to run a business at all. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Justin, let's talk a little bit more about the the details of what you do now. Who's your ideal client? I only work with visionaries and exceptional businesses. So if someone asks, what do you cost or what do you charge? It's an automatic disqualifier. So that directness and purposefulness in how I talk to people has weeded out all nonsense and it only has attracted the best people who think with an abundance, visionary investment mindset. So the people I work with now ask, what is an investment with you look like? They don't say, what do you cost or what do you charge? When someone asks that within the first five minutes, they're always going to be thinking in a scarcity cost mindset. And I don't work with anyone like that because that's how, how my brain thinks. So it's super important that my brain meshes with theirs. Um, it doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you are. So again, my company has clients all over the world. It, it doesn't matter what type of vertical it's in. It just matters that folks have an investment mindset. And so media just needs two things. One is a good story which everybody pretty much has. I wrote two to three stories a day on deadline as a journalist. So I just know how to find a good story. But the other thing that people need is a news peg or companies need this as a news peg, meaning why is it a story now? So are you launching a book? Are you, did you develop some new technology? Did you just celebrate your 10-year anniversary? Are you leading some giant event? Did you hire a new high-levels executive or something? Like That's all media needs. Good story and a news peg. That's it. What does visionary mean to you? A visionary means they're not a nickel and dime business that has no plans to at least help people on a, a local type level. So th there's two types of people or businesses, and I don't have the data behind this, but this is just from interactions with, you know, I, I literally talk to 10 people a day on a global level. So there's two kinds of folks in businesses. Most of them, you know, 90, 95% small businesses, no aspiration for growth, you know, not visionary cost mindset. And those are the businesses that are struggling right now. Then there's the five to 10%. And those are the ones that have become my clients where it's abundance mindset, visionary, think with investment. They're just pivoting like crazy right now, not deterred at all by this. And they're investing heavily. So those are my clients. I only, I only focus on uh, that percentage because that's how my brain works. That's who I attract myself to. And that's who's attracted to me. So speaking of vision, 
where do you want to take this? Yep. So I get that question every single day, probably four or five times a day. And here's how my brain works and how my life works is because I have 10 amazing conversations a day and I'm constantly introing people to amazing visionary leaders all across the world every single day. I am constantly getting intros to businesses and brands that want to hire my firm on a global level. So, you know, by the end of this day, I'll probably have one or two more incredible intros. So there is literally no limit to how cool and how great my company and, and, and my network of people can grow. And that's what's exciting to me is that like, people are like, where do you see yourself three years from now? I'm like, well, ask me where I see myself three hours from now, because I can meet someone that could literally change my life and I can help change their lives three hours from now. So there, it's just very exciting for me. I have endless energy to talk about uh, this because myself and the people in my network are, we're changing the world in such a positive and productive way. And it's just really cool to be a part of that. And and I strongly feel that entrepreneurs are, are going to lead our way out of this, whatever this is. And so to be a part of that leadership group is, is really inspiring. And I'm, I'm just very honored to be in that, in that circle of these great people. Well, certainly sounds very inspiring. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to share your story here. Justin, if anybody wants to go deeper with anything that you share today, access any of your work or resources you have, get in touch with you, where's the best place to go? Sure. So I have about 40,000 followers on social media. You can certainly find me on LinkedIn. I've got over 21,000 followers there. So Justin Breen and, or my uh, website is brepicllc.com. B as in boy, R-E-P as in pony, I-C as in cobra, LLC.com, brepicllc.com. And you can, you can buy my book on that site as well. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo. Um, share your experiences and your, and your insights. My guest today has been the founder and CEO of Brepic Communications, Justin Breen. Thank you again, Justin, for joining us. No problem. Happy to do it. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned the importance of mindset and mentoring and much more. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.